and welcome to episode number 153 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, Brad Allen. We run down all of the big action for the week. We are down to four teams in the NFL. It is the final two games before the Super Bowl. I'm starting to get a little bit of pre-depression here. It's a long season every year, but it gets to this point, and I start to wonder what the hell I'm going to do with my Sundays whenever everything goes away for us here, but uh, we'll, we're going to run through these things top to bottom every which way for you. But before we get going, go ahead and follow Brad on the Twitter machine at Brad Allen NFL. Follow Brett at Brett Colson. If you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. And if you are not watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this in podcast form, uh, head over to the YouTube page and go ahead. And uh, that is YouTube slash play picks. Hit that subscribe button. And uh, you'll get all of our, our content here. Got a good NBA content, golf content. We're going to have it all. So uh, be sure and take advantage of that as well. Fellas, we'll hit the games. We'll kind of work in some of the stuff from last week into these game previews as opposed to kind of going back and just and really nitpicking those because everybody, as we sit right now, is really wondering how they want to go about betting both of these games. I mean, listen, we have two games, close spreads. Uh, you know, I think there's a valid argument for both sides of the ball in both of these games. As we are sitting right now, we'll kick things off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers. This game is sitting three, three and a half, depending on where you get it. 51 and a half, 52 on the total. FanDuel points bet sitting at three. BetMGM, DraftKings sitting at three and a half. 51 and a half is pretty much what you're getting across the board, except over at FanDuel, where you are looking at 52 on the total of course the bucks get here by getting by the saints a very key play we were talking about before we went uh on air here uh very key play play in that game jared cook the saints are up seven they're driving he catches ball in the middle fumbles and it was game over from there the saints never could recover uh, I don't believe in momentum. I think that is something that coaches and ex-players love to talk about but I'll tell you something if there was anything, if there was such thing as momentum, the momentum was definitely changed on that uh, fumble right there because uh, the Saints just were were clueless after that, and the Bucks played pretty efficiently and were able to get the win in that game. The Packers, of course, getting here pretty pretty easily again on another just unbelievably awesome performance by Aaron Rodgers with a banged up Jared Cook. Also, we were correct, guys, in our uh, in us assuming that Aaron Donald was still hurt. I mean, that was one of the very big things in this as well. Only played about half the snaps in the game. Even when he was out there, he was ineffective. So, guy misses a whole half of football in a very important winner-go-home game and then doesn't show up on the injury report the next week. Uh, Brad, you were talking about even in the Saints game, you know, uh, Breeze's wife comes out and says things about him being injured all year. So these these injury reports are getting some shenanigans here uh, towards the end of the year as well. But uh, Brad, let's kick things off here, okay? Bucks, uh, three, three and a half, depending where you get it. 51 and a half t- seems to be the uh, consensus on the total here. Um, First and foremost, where do you think is the biggest mismatch in this game Um, as far as, you know, one team's unit, one team's whatever it might be, has an extremely big advantage over the other? The biggest mismatch. Um, 
possibly just <laughs> Aaron Rodgers against the uh, the Bucks defense. Um, I, I mean, it might sound a bit silly given they held him to his by far the worst performance of the season in, in week six when they played 10 points, I think all in the first quarter, and then they just shut him out after that. Um, but it's, you, you go back and look at that, and I think there was there's plenty of excuses to be made that that was kind of a, a freak thing. Um, so, so just with his weapons, it was, it was Devonte Adams first game back from a, from a hamstring injury. So there's a chance he wasn't quite, you know, quite fresh, quite ready to go, quite game fit. There was no Alan Lazard as the second option. So, you know, suddenly that's MVS as your, as your second option. And he's just not that reliable. Um, and then, you know, they, they spoke about after the game that they just had no adjustments for the blitz. Like, I, I don't know why you would go into a game against um, Todd Bowles with no adjustment for the blitz, but that was the case. And then during the game, um, the left tackle back Tiari got injured. The right tackle went out somewhere, I think, earlier in the game as well. Um, and then what happened is they threw loads of blitzes at him and the offensive line just didn't pick it up. Well, whether they confused Rogers or this offensive line that was, you know, perhaps a little bit makeshift, they they, were, they confused them. And as 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 I said, they didn't have any adjustments for for what to do with that. Um, and I think all of that is different this time around. So. Mm-hmm. You know, Rogers has been the best QB against the Blitz since 2006. Um, he's been third best against the Blitz this year. So I think if they if they try that again, I think they'll get toasted this time around. Um, so uh, yeah, I would say I would say that's the biggest mismatch. So we do have, uh, you know, in both of these games, Brett, we do have, as, as Brad mentioned, we do have week six games against both of these, both all these teams. So we have something to look back on. If you go back and you look at that week six game, Aaron Rodgers, 16 of 35, 160 yards. No touchdowns, two interceptions, sacked four times, hit 13 times. He was blitzed on 21 of his dropbacks. And so, you know, you look at that and it was basically if you look at just raw statistical numbers, all four of the quarterbacks like in in the previous game basically had their worst statistical game of the season. So all all, when you look back on these games, you're basically getting kind of the the worst of all of these quarterbacks. And, you know, from a Brady standpoint, it was mainly because the game was just in hand. So incredibly early Brady, 17 of 27, 166 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He was not sacked at all in the game. He was only hit four times in the game. Um, Again, didn't really have to do a ton because this game got out of hand fairly early. The Packers even waved the white flag in the fourth quarter in this game as well. If you go back and I don't know if you remember this game or if you've rewatched this game or you've just studied the box score, which kind of refreshed your memory. Is there anything that you are taking from the first matchup between these two teams into your handicapping for this game? Not really. It was was so long ago. And and, in Tampa Bay, has really improved offensively since then, which doesn't bode well, I guess, if, if you're baking that that first matchup into your your handicapping this week. But I'm not really taking a whole lot from that matchup. It was one game and it was months ago. So not really. I'm more looking at what these two teams are over the past several weeks and coming into this week. Brad, as far as that first game goes, I guess the only thing that did stand out to me, and, and you were talking about that they said afterwards not being able to adjust to the blitz, is the is the fact that Aaron Rodgers, you know, two picks, obviously worst game of the year for that, sacked four times. I think that is at least minimally telling, hit 13 times in that game, blitzed on 21 of his dropbacks in that. You have to assume two different things here. One that the Bucks are going to try to do at least a lot of the same where they were able to make the, the surefire MVP have his by far worst game 
of the season. And then the other assumption would be that the Packers now have a plan in place for, okay, if they do blitz us as much as what's as much as we think they are, this is how we're going to counter this. Yeah. Um, I definitely think they will. And as I said, it, it was just a weird not anomaly that mm-hmm. game. Um, you know, Rogers against the blitz by PFF grade, um, 86.9 third best in the league, uh, fifth best passer rating when they send extra rushes. So, as I say, it was just, I really do think it was just a, a one-off, you know, banged up weapons, banged up offensive line and, and not a good enough plan. And it's just different this time around. Um, and also, it's, it's probably worth mentioning that the Bucks' defense isn't who they were at the start of the year. So through through the first or eight weeks of the year, they were, they were a top five unit in DVOA. Um, and now I'm just looking at since week 10. So just to try and get the last eight games or so. Um, they're down in, where are they? 21st in um, drop back EPA allowed, um, excluding garbage time. So they've fallen off a bit of a cliff. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know why that is. I don't know if some of that is Vita Vea, um, who probably won't play from what I can make out. Obviously, he's got a chance to play, but if he will, he's going to be banged up or he's going to be limited at least because he's not played since week Kevin five. Kevin White missed two games because um, of COVID. So, there's, there's that as well. Uh, yeah. In there. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not saying they're the 21st best uh, defense in the league, but I don't think they're a top five unit. I think they're kind of middle of the pack and they're exploitable by the right team. Um, and let's remember two weeks ago that Taylor Heineke went up and down the field on them. Last week, Drew Brees, his, his leading receiver, he's got a high ankle sprain. You know, he's, he's got surgery on his labrum and, and his ankle. Breeze has come out, said he had plantar fascia in his foot. He had a, he had a torn labrum as well or torn rotator cuff. So, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't an offense that should have scared anyone. Um, you know, we, we didn't know how banged up they were. That was, you know, as we spoke about earlier, that wasn't on the injury report. Um, but yeah, so I really don't think we should be overrating Tampa Bay's defense based on what they've done recently. Um, so I think they're, they're middle of the pack and, I don't think they're going to have this kind of blitz edge that, that they had in the first game. And they are going up against the best offense in the league, which is fully, fully fit and firing. The one concern perhaps is, is Shaq Barrett off the edge. Um, he's got the second most pressures in the league behind Aaron Donald um, for Tampa. And he, you know, they can line him up against the backup left tackle, Billy Turner. But um, even he played well last week. He was, I think he was the highest graded um, lineman on the team last week. So I, yeah, I don't really see a, a way for Tampa to slow them down. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like Green Bay to score some points. Uh, Brett, so you talked about this this Bucks offense being a, a different animal um, since this first meeting, and specifically since the buy. Um, since the, they had, if you remember, they had one of the very late season buys uh, this year. They were the one of the last teams, if not the last team, to get a buy. Mm-hmm. And so since that buy week for the Bucks, they're averaging thirty four point eight points per game. Brady completing 65% of his passes, 9.2 yards per attempt. He's got a 16 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. I think a direct line you can draw to this is one, you know, listen at the end of the day, if you if you if you get a week off whenever you're, you know, Brady's age and some of these other guys are vets as well. Michael Mike Evans isn't the epitome of health and uh Chris Godwin was dealing with with pins in his finger and all the stuff like that. So you get a week off to kind of do whatever. But then also I think you can draw a line to getting an extra week to getting Antonio Brown kind of situated in this offense as well. So what do you see here from a, a, a matchup perspective on the Bucks offense versus the Packers defense? I see. I agree with Brad. I agree with Brad that 
Green Bay is going to be able to score, but I think Tampa Bay is going to be able to score a lot of points too. And that's why the, the total is a little confusing to me, which we'll talk about in a little bit. As far as being able to exploit this Green Bay defense, it's, it's right there. I mean, it's it, taking advantage of this pass funnel of the Green Bay. I mean, we saw Jair Alexander uh, shadow Mike Evans on 67, or 76% of plays in the first meeting. If we expect that to happen, we're going to see Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, if he plays, uh, running wild against these other corners for the Packers. And they're not good. Kevin King and Chandon Sullivan are not good corners. So I think you're going to be able to see Tom Brady uh, take advantage with Godwin and even Scotty Miller or Tyler Johnson. These, These guys have become Brady guys, too. So you've got a quarterback here, Brady, who's so good at spotting these opportunities against bad cornerbacks. Uh, and I think the snow might actually help them too in this game. And we'll talk about that in a little, in a little bit. But I do see a lot of opportunity here for, for points in this game and I, from both sides. And I think the, the Tampa Bay's offense is not being given the credit it deserves in this spot this week. Brad, I'm going to give you the same question here. You take a look at this uh, Bucks defense, and um, you know, I mean, I mean, at this uh, Packers defense, and and listen. So I, I gave you the statistics of the Bucks since their bye week, but since week 13, this Packers defense actually eighth in yards per attempt against, fifth in passer rating against, their second in coverage grade against since week 13. But you dig a little bit deeper. And you see who they faced along the way. Mitch Trubisky, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Matthew Stafford had to leave the game. They got Chase Daniel. Uh, It was the pull the Carson Wentz game where Jalen Hurts came in in that game. They got, you know, the banged up uh, Jared Goff last week as well. So I'm not taking anything away from this defense. I'm not saying that they haven't gotten better over the, uh, the last half of the season here. But you do kind of look at who they faced, and it's certainly not Tom Brady and this crew here. And the other part about Jair Alexander I think is interesting is they were using him in shadow coverage all the way through week nine of the season. And then since then, for whatever reason, and and maybe this was when they started to turn it around at least a little bit in the secondary, he, he just started playing exclusively on the left side. He doesn't shadow anymore. Um, and so maybe they just figured something out on the defensive side of the ball with that, that they're just a little bit more efficient if he just plays the side as opposed to, to chasing a receiver all around. So w- what do you see here when you match up this Bucks offense against this uh, Packers defense? Uh, yeah, much the same. I think, I, I, I wonder if the reason this total is, is a bit low is because of that, those improved metrics that you just went through. But <laughs> I think you also went through the reason they are so low is that they've just faced a very easy schedule. Um, and, you know, I, I was surprised by how well Goff moved the ball last week. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a he had a banged up thumb. He was missing his slot receiver. He had a banged up left tackle. He was, I mean, he was under a lot of pressure as well. Um, and they, they still went up and down the field relatively well, or, you know, better than I expected at least. Um, and I think this is a completely different proposition um you know a a brady's just a much better quarterback used to used to this spot the offensive line i think is is close to elite you know the right tackle tristan Wirfs is already one of the best best tackles in the league they're they're strong everywhere they've got all pros on that line um and they've got the receivers as well so 
Yeah, they'll also be able to run the ball as well. You know, that's that's the weakness of the Green Bay defense as well, the relative weakness compared to their their pass defense. Um, and, we, and we know the Bucks like to run the ball on, on first and second down. You know, they, they did it too much last week against New Orleans and, and got away with it. But this Green Bay defensive line is not the Saints defensive line. It's, it's not even close. So, you know, if they're ripping off five yards, six yards on on first down, um, and then they go to the play action, they they start going down the seams to to Godwin, to Gronk, to Brait. Um, yeah, I can see them having a lot of success. I would say the the one place where they might get in trouble is if they get a behind. Um, one thing we might, I might want to mention later is the Packers script in, in the first quarter. But if they, if they do get down and they have to move away from the run and they get into, say, third and 10, mm. the Packers can put some four good pass rushes on the field. They can put the Smith brothers, uh, Kenny Clark in the middle, Rashawn Gary, and they can they can come after you. And then there is a weakness at right guard because um, they're they're on a the backup there. So that's when that's probably when Green Bay has an edge, which, you know, it's, it's quite a... It's quite a small right. uh, set of plays where that might be the case, but um, you know that I think that is probably going to happen five times. And if they can get pressure up the middle over that right guard spot, Brady's not going to like that. So they, yeah, so I would say if they can run the ball, which I think they'll be able to, I think they get, they will have success. But there is also a game script where they do get behind and are forced to pass a lot, and Green Bay are going to win their share of matchups and and get a few sacks. But but generally, I, I think the Bucks are going to move the ball well. What are the other kind of things when I dug into this this first meeting of this game? which I, I saw it was actually Gronk's one of Gronk's best games of the year. Brady only threw for 166 yards, but 78 of those went to Gronk, which is just a little bit odd. Um, he hasn't really been targeted over the second half of the season really at all. And so I went back and, and rewatched this game and you go to look because the Green Bay, if you look at the advanced stats, have actually been pretty good against tight ends. So I'm like, why the hell did Gronk kind of have this big day? And really, the majority of the chunk yardage he got, he was lined up on the outside against a corner. So, like, they they had lined Gronk up on the outside going up against a corner instead of kind of going over the middle. And they were just taking advantage of him being a big galofadonk, you know, against these uh, cornerbacks and throw it up into the corner. He was able to catch a touchdown against a corner as well. And so, I don't think that's going to work this time around either. So, just I, I can't really draw a ton from the first meeting from, from this one, other than the fact that I think we're going to see a ton of blitzing from the Bucks at least early and see if it works again, like it did the first time. Again, they sacked Rogers four times. They hit him 13 different times. Does it work this time around? And then we're going to have to figure out if there's going to be, if, and if it doesn't, what are going to be the adjustments? We understand that Devonte Adams is one of the most um, versatile receivers in all of the NFL. We saw it last week. They decided, Oh, Okay. We'll just run these little short routes with him. He catches nine of 10 targets. He never goes further than like seven yards down the field, right? I mean, they just, they understand how to manufacture touches for him against the coverage and against whatever the defenses are giving him. And so, you know, Brett, one of the matchups here is 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 likely to be Devontae Adams versus Carlton Davis. If you look at Carlton Davis, not a guy that gets mentioned in the same breath as Jair Alexander, but, you know, he shadowed Michael Thomas three different times this year held Michael Thomas to two horrible games, one very below average game in the first meeting. Again, what? not that we can draw a ton from that, but Adams uh, got 10 targets, only caught six of them for 61 yards in a lot of shadow coverage by Carlton Davis in that first game as well. He is He's allowing just a 56% catch rate on the season. And so you start to wonder if, if Davis can have some success, 
I'm saying some success. He's not going to shut down Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. That's just that's not going to happen. But if he can have some success and Aaron Rodgers does have to go to these second and third receivers, you do wonder, you do wonder, okay, are we really going to see kind of this offense that we've seen all year long? We saw Alan Lazard drop a giant, you know, drop a touchdown pass last week. We've seen MVS drop. You and I, it is as DFS players as well, has watched MVS drop 7,000, you know, passes over the course of his career as well. So even if they can slow down Devontae Adams with a Carlton Davis or maybe some sort of other kind of double team type situation, um, do you expect this Packers offense to just continue to still roll? Yeah, that's the big question, right? That was my question last week. My, my my only concern really last week was can these secondary playmakers for the Packers step up? if Jalen Ramsey is able to shut down Devontae Adams. And I mean, they had their moments of greatness. And then we saw moments where, you know, these, these, they are who we, we, th- we thought they were. I mean, these are not great players. So it is a concern if, if Davis is able to do his job and, and at least contain Devontae Adams. And then, you know, Rogers has to rely on these, uh, just MVS and, and, uh, Tanyan and or yeah I just I it, it's, it's definitely a concern um, but there's also a, a big difference between uh, slant boy as, as Carlton Davis calls Michael Thomas and Devontae <laughs> Adams I, I'm I'm fully convinced now that Devontae Adams is a far better receiver than yeah. Michael Thomas so I, I'm not all that worried about that matchup really I think Devontae Adams is going to get his and I don't see any reason why Rodgers wouldn't look his way up as often as possible all right, Brad, let's get into this thing here. Um, we, we've kind of talked around some angles here as to how, you know, both teams might be able to fare. We're sitting, as we said, we are sitting at a three, three and a half, depending on where you get it, 51 and a half on our total. How do you see this thing playing out? What bets have you made? What bets are you looking at? Or what leans do you have? So I have bet two in this one. So I went with first half Green Bay minus one and a half. Um, and... Again, so I kind of spoke about the reasons I think Green Bay should have their success. Um, But then if you look at the scripted plays, first 15 plays, Green Bay is number one in the NFL in um, passing EPA on those scripted plays. Um, And especially if if Todd Bowles comes out blitzing again, I I very much like the uh, the Packers to do what they've done all year long um, and and score on the opening drive or two. You know, even in that first matchup where they they got blown out 38-10, they're up to nothing. Yeah, the the script is so good. Um, And they've just done it every single week. Um, So I like them to do that again. Um, And it's minus one and a half currently. And also had some over. um, Mm. Over 51 and a half would would still play, probably wouldn't play at 52. Just, you know, the the forecast currently is a little bit uncertain. There's still, a I think, around a 30% chance of snow from what I can see. Yeah. and yeah, again, that we were spoken about the reasons both offenses uh, should have success. Um, full game spread, I get again, we definitely lean with the Packers minus three. I think one thing, just kind of in the you know, kind of a meta you know, wider look, is that Tampa Bay are on their third straight road game. They've had four competitive games now because they they wanted to beat the Falcons in, in week seventeen. Whereas Green Bay had the week off, they're they're very well rested. Um, so they're going to have a big rest advantage. They've got home field. They've got fans in there. Rogers spoke last week about you know just how much energy that that gave them, how good it was to have them back. Um, and then I think they've they've got better coaches as well. You know, Arians loves the early down run. Um, he's he's 
conservative on fourth down. Uh, Bowles, he plays the most eight-men box in the league. Like, yeah, okay, stop the Packers' run game, fine. But <laughs> you need to start You need to start Rodgers, and that's not what they've always done this year. So I think all these kind of little intangible edges go towards the Packers, and I think they're the better team anyway. They've got the better offense, and I don't think the defense is that far apart. So, uh, yeah, Packers Packers first half, Packers on the, on the side, uh, if you want to go that way, and over 51 and a half. Yeah, so we're looking at what we're looking at here is, uh, you know, high 20s. There is going to be at least some level of snow. Is that actually during the game or before the game? We'll figure that out. But it looks like the latest models have between one and three inches of snow up there in Lambeau. Uh, Brett, I am less concerned maybe than I've ever been for a couple of different reasons. One, um, you take a look and the reason I ever even consider these super cold weather games anyway is what what's the quarterback situation? Is it either a warm weather team or a dome weather team? But we're getting Brady, who has played in these conditions more than just about anybody. Uh, it's obviously really, really cold in New England. He's played in, I think, it's 70 different games below 30 degrees or something like that or below 35 degrees. So this is nothing that he is going to be concerned with. And so I what I'm actually hoping for and to play into Brad, because I also like the over in this game, I think we're looking at a mid 50s at minimum game here is that. The television comes on, people see the snow on the field mm-hmm. and they start panicking and this number goes down and I hope we get an even more favorable number because people overreact to stuff like that. So that's actually kind of one of the angles I'm, I am playing in this thing was I'm, I'm playing, I'm, I'm going to try and benefit off of people's overreactions to what the TV talks about it because you know, the broadcasters. It's frigid here. Look at the snow on the field, whatever. Well, you know what they're going to do whenever they're hyping up this game. And so uh, hopefully we can get a bunch of casual betters coming in and hitting the under and give us a chance to come in on the over. Yeah. And what's your magic number with totals? Yeah. 51. 51. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think we'll get to 51? I got it at 51, actually. Oh, this was at 50 and a half. Um, this was at 50 and a half just 24 hours ago. And so I think that some of the people uh, realize like, okay, doesn't really matter here. Let's go ahead and, and bet the over. This is going to be, but I do believe public is and we know if there's anything we know, the money has not come in yet from the public. I actually had, uh, Johnny Avello on a show that I do last night, Johnny said they have gotten 5% of the handle that they are going to get on these two games as of last night. So the money is still yet to come in specifically the public money. So uh, I'm betting on this thing dropping down once people see the the cold and the snow. So I should probably wait then. Cause I love the over in this game. This yeah. is my favorite play of the entire week. It, just looking Looking at these two offenses, both top three in the league in offense DVOA, number one in the NFL in points per play versus number two, both top five in the NFL in explosive passes, two teams that have been able to score effectively and quickly this season. So why is this total only 51 and a half? It could get lower when the average total for every game this year was like right. just short of 50. And why is this total 51 and a half when the total for this game between these two teams in week six closed at 54 and a half when at the time this Tampa offense wasn't rolling like it did in the second half of the season? Is it the weather? Is I mean, I would think that's got to be part of it, but no, go ahead. 
I was going to say it could be. So they both played like dead nut under teams last week. Like the Ram, both the Rams and the Saints, they run the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, at, like the top five rates in the NFL. Both got good defenses and both got quarterbacks who were injured and yeah. didn't throw downfield. And they still both scored fifty points in those games. So you know, now you put literally the best two offenses in the league together with two average defenses. And yeah, you know, I agree with you. Yeah. I don't understand it. I mean, in, in like the, the fear of Brady playing in the snow, that's, that's a fallacy that I think we can definitely take advantage of here. Snow, if anything, gives the advantage to the offense and the receivers uh, in the passing game, defensive backs on slick surfaces aren't able to react as they would on a regular field. And, and, Anybody, if anybody can take advantage of that, it's Tom Brady. He's played in yep. these games he's, for 20 plus years going back to college. So I, uh, yeah, I, I love the over in this game with these two quarterbacks against, uh, you know, especially Rodgers against a very high variance Tampa defense that's got the best of him the first time around. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's had this one circled and he's, he's yeah. studied this, he's studied this game a lot. And I think he's going to be ready. So uh, 51 and a half seems really low to me. I, I, I love it that we're all on the same page. Like my, my, my angle on this as well is also there's going to be points. I, I understand that if you look at the complete season long metrics on this uh, Bucks defense, that it looks pretty good. But this is just this, this Packers team, Aaron Rodgers, the way they've been going, uh, LaFleur, the way things have been going with, with him and play calling. So there's just, it's a different animal. They're going to score. The Bucks are going to score as well. Um, the only other play that I have in this one, I did go ahead and take when this number got to four, I went ahead and y'all know me if they're going to give me like these, these big numbers that I can make into teasers or whatever. So I, I took the bucks up to 10 in uh, a teaser with the bills. And we'll talk about that game here in just a second. But uh, the other thing I have is, uh, is Lenny. I got Lenny over 41 and a half rushing yards. Um, Ronald Jones came out of that game last week, banged up. He, he's not the same. I expect Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was getting uh, three to one on the snaps anyway. He got two to one on touches as it was. So um, if if Jones comes in just even a little banged up, then Leonard's, Leonard Fournette's going to get the majority of the carries there. We're only trying to get 42 yards out of this guy against a Packers defense that runs a ton of dime, right? So you can get you can get running lanes here and there that, that Leonard Fournette should be able to take advantage of. So uh, I only need 42 yards, Brad. So give me 42 yards on Leonard Fournette. Yep, playoff Lenny's ready to he go. Is playoff Lenny ready to go. All right, let's talk about the second game on Sunday. It is the Bills and the Chiefs. We are sitting at three across the board in favor of the Chiefs. 53 and a half, 54 is your total. If you want 53 and a half, it's at FanDuel. You want 54, DraftKings points bet. Uh, you can find the 53 and a half at BetMGM as well. The Bills get here in, you know, let's call it what it was, a, a pretty tough game where Josh Allen I think was less efficient than we've seen all year but the wins were much higher than people let on to us it was supposed to be kind of mild wins but you could see the goalposts kind of swaying in that game and and you know anytime that you have uh, you know the wins in that type of level with a pass heavy team like the Bills there's going to be some some drop off in production so um you know, still able to get the win, not really going to uh, to hold a ton against them in that one. Of course, the Chiefs, we know the story there. Patrick Mahomes leaves with the concussion. 
they convert a huge, huge, huge. Well, there was it was third and fourteen. They get thirteen rushing yards by Chad Henning. Take the fourth and one, and go ahead and convert the fourth and one, which gets them to. I'm convinced that if the Browns get the ball back right there, they were going to win the game. That the Chiefs were going home. Uh, Brett, I know you were really rooting for the Browns to get the ball back so that you would be uh, facing the uh, Browns this week in a home game as opposed to a road game against the Chiefs. Uh, This number, guys, is assuming that Patrick Mahomes is going to play. We we saw some books open this as Bills' favorites because of the question mark around Patrick Mahomes, and then everyone just bet it as if Patrick Mahomes was going to play, got this thing all the way to three and a half at one point. Um, it is still sitting at three across the board right now. That same conversation I had with Johnny Avello, where he told me that only 5% of the money has come in so far this week, also told me, should Patrick Mahomes get ruled out, that this would move to Bills minus four. So we would see a seven-point swing here over at their shop anyway, um, as far as should Patrick Mahomes get ruled out. Brett, as we let we're going to assume Mahomes is playing. He's been out there practicing you know, practice with a helmet on Thursday. I mean, you know, they can't, it's not up to the chiefs. It's not to Patrick Mahomes. It's up to a third party. So they can't rule him in, but all signs point to him being in. So we're just going to take this handicap as if Patrick Mahomes is going to play. We can throw in some caveats at the end if for whatever he gets miraculously ruled out or whatever. So we'll go with this as if he is going to play. You look at the game last, you, you look at this first matchup, between these two teams, and I'm sure you know this is your team, so I'm sure you remember it very well. Uh, Josh Allen's worst game of the season, just like we got uh, Pat, uh, just like we got Aaron Rodgers' worst game of the season. Josh Allen goes 14 to 27, 122 yards. Now he did add in 42 rush yards on the ground, but obviously, you know, this guy's throwing in the upper 280s in just about every single game this year. Goes for 122 here against the Chiefs. He was under pressure on 17 of his 31 dropbacks. I think that is the very big difference in this game compared to a lot of the other ones. But, uh, you know, you can tell us better than anybody. A lot has changed for this for this Bills team since that game, and a lot has, has uh, you know, changed, I think, even on the Chiefs side as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and this, this was such a weird game. Uh, it, it, they, the Chiefs game planned so well for this one. They took advantage of the, the injuries and the weaknesses on this Bills defense and just rammed CEH down their throats, I think, what, 26 times and completely took the air out of the Bills offense right from the get-go. I should mention also it was in a huge downpour as well. Yeah. Like it was like a like it, I, I know we never use this this word whenever unless we're talking about rain, but it was torrential rain that was coming down. Like n- nothing else is torrential in life other than rain, but torrential the torrential rain was uh, was coming down in that game as well. So something something else that just made that game weird. Yeah, and it was it was just a coaching masterpiece by Reed. I mean that mm-hmm. that's really what what it came down to, and and it was a good example of. How, we talk about it a lot. Just there's so many different ways the Chiefs can beat you, and they showed it. This was the like the best example of the season. They didn't even really use Patrick Mahomes at all. They just exploited the Bills, uh, the, the Bills' inefficiencies on defense by running the football. And it was, I mean, that game was a roll show. It was it 466 yards to 220? I mean, the Bills, the game was not as close as the, as the final score showed. Um, so. You know, what can you take away from that? I think for me, mostly just game planning, how Reed approached that game far better than the Bills did. Um, 
that that for me, and, and that that's something I'm taking into this game as well too. Is is coaching? I th- as good as as good as McDermott and Dable have been this year. As good as Leslie Frazier game plan for the game last week on defense. This is still Andy Reid in an AFC Championship game where he's been before, and and this that to me is is a huge advantage. Uh, so that yeah, I, I think the the biggest takeaway from that first game is just how good Reid game plan for the Bills. Brad, I'm going to on the on the flip side of that, I actually think that the Bills probably should employ the same strategy here and see if it just works a little bit better. I mean, yes, Clyde Edwards Alaire, 26 carries, 161 yards. But because of the way that the Bills went about this, they only they had six or fewer guys in the box on 64% of the plays in that game. They're daring you to run the ball. They did because the Chiefs then get out of what they do best, which is obviously utilizing Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs ran the ball 58% of the time on first and second down in that game, which as we know, running the ball on early downs, especially when you're Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill is not the most efficient way to go about the offense. Now, the Bills were without Matt Milano in that game. They were not able to stop the rush game. And if you let the other team run and they can get seven yards to carry every time, well, then it's the, the strategy is not going to work out. But I think that if you're the Bills, at least early in this game, I think you try to stick to that same deal. If you can keep Patrick Mahomes from looking at at Tyree Kill and keep him from looking at at Mahomes at uh, at Kelsey, and if if Andy Reid is going to kind of you know fall for it in air quotes here, and and just run it into the line a ton, uh, I would I would at least if I'm the Bills go about it that way yet again. Um, yes, I exactly agree, and I I think they will do it again. Um, you know they they held them to 26 points and. I think everyone would agree to beat the Chiefs, you you have to score 30. Like, you know, it, Allen played badly, um, but I don't think it was a bad defensive game plan. What what was weird about that game is that um, they only had, I think it was four, four defensive tackles active. Um, I remember there was late, because it was a Tuesday night, wasn't it? Yeah. Or Monday yeah. afternoon. It, it, was a weird, it was a weird game yeah. time. Um, and they, they late scratched two of their, like, defensive tackles who normally start and then they came out with this game plan where like you need some bodies up front like you can leave six in the box but you still need some heavy men up front um so i thought that was very strange um so you would assume that they i think they will do the same again um but they should have better success stopping the run um you know i don't i don't think they're gonna give up another 250 yards or, or whatever it was um and i think it's correct that the way to play Mahomes is is too deep and no blitzing um so you kind of you mentioned that was the way they played it but it was it was the first time that a team hasn't blitzed at all since at least 2016 um which is as far back as next gen stats go and then they only played four snaps of man coverage as well so it wasn't just we're going to, we're going to play zone two deep zone. It's that's all we're going to play, um, which uh, you would think they'll mix up a little bit more just to confuse him. Um, so Mahomes this year against single high safety coverage, first in the NFL in EPA per play um, against two deep safeties. He's 15th in the NFL in EPA per play um, against blitzes first in the NFL EPA per play against non blitzes ninth in the NFL and EPA per play. So, I think the game plan is correct. I think two deep safeties play lots of zone um, and make them beat you that way. So I think I think we get more of that. It's also worth noting um, 
along with the defensive tackles that the Bills didn't have, they didn't have Matt Milano, who's, you know, he's, he's a key linebacker. He's, he's very good in coverage as well. He's good against the run. He'll be back. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think the Bills will have better success stopping them this time around. So, Brett, when we take a look at this, I mean, if unlike the first game where it's just a whole bunch of kind of strengths on strengths, right? I mean, there, there's we're kind of looking like, okay, something's got to give here, strength on strength on strength on strength. Well, there are some... When we kind of look at the different weaknesses of these teams, there there is kind of a, a a strength on on weakness deal here, and it's just not something that we really look at a ton. And that's the fact that look, the Bills just don't run the ball very much. But when they do run, they've actually been fairly efficient. I mean, Singletary averages four and a half yards a carry on on the season, and there have been opportunity. There have been times this year where the Bills have have looked really competent and really good running the ball. We understand that Kansas City has the 31st ranked rush defense DVOA. Pro Football Focus kind of agrees here, has them down at 23rd rush defense in the NFL. Do you think that, uh, you know, a team that really and truly last week didn't throw, I mean, didn't run an actual true run play until into the second quarter, do you think they can actually get to a point where they say, okay, look, if you're going, if, if your obvious weakness is the run defense and we're pretty okay at it when we actually commit to doing that, do you think we'll see that? Or do you think this is McDermott and Dable just saying, you know what, look, we're a passing team. We're going to do what we do come hell or high water. Yeah, I don't see this being a Devin Singletary game. I just don't. That's just not how this Bills defense. I mean, look, maybe they've been, they've metagamed this the, the entire season. All of a sudden, <laughs> they just start cramming uh Devin Singletary into the line, you know, 20 plus times. I just, I don't see it here. This offense has been so successful. Uh, the play action, it's just hilarious. They just run so much play action, but never run the football, but it always works. <laughs> so, I mean, I just, yeah. I, I can't see them getting away from that in this spot. They, they know, and they, like you said, they have to score points in this game. They're not going to do that by running the football with Devin Singletary. Brad, everyone's talking about the concussion on the, you know, for the chiefs and with Patrick Mahomes and, I'm actually more worried about the fact that I saw him hobbling around out there with his foot injury, like all over the field. And, you know, everyone's like, yeah, I mean, the concussion's the only thing that's going to keep him out of the game if they don't rule him in the game. But I'm more worried about the foot thing going on with Patrick Mahomes, because if you don't have, you know, 100% Patrick Mahomes doing all of these things that Patrick Mahomes does, that is a huge, huge, huge downgrade to this Chiefs offense. I mean, a lot of this stuff, I mean, we remember, you know, yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of the stuff that he does inside the pocket, but really the, the reason this offense is so successful is Patrick Mahomes extending plays, the kind of, uh, you know, backyard football plays that end up working out where he's scrambling, he's outside of the pocket, he fakes like he's going to run, he ends up hucking the ball 40 yards down the field to some receiver that saw he is, that he's scrambling and stuff. So, I mean, a lot of this offense is kind of predicated on him being mobile and him being able to, to, to feel pressure and get out of there and create plays and extend plays. And so I have not heard a ton of people talking about the foot. Everyone's talking about the concussion. And I'm like, guys, this is a foot injury for a dude that needs to be mobile. This is what we should be focusing on. Yeah, I mean, they said on the broadcast last week, Mahomes, I think, leads the entire NFL in, in first down conversions on third and long or first down runs on third and long. Um, and it's not just the runs, as you said, you know, you can get out of the pocket and, and chuck deep to Tyreek. Um, and yeah, I, th I thought that would be a good way to get against the Chiefs. But 
they the the Twitter account I think yesterday released a photo of Mahomes in practice. I think rolling out to his left, just running along perfectly fine and, and throwing a dart. So I, I, he he looks fine to me essentially. Um, and obviously he's not he's not numbed up there. Um, and if there is an issue, you would assume on Sunday he's going to be shot full of all the Toradol in Kansas City. <laughs> right. um, so I. I, I I did think it was going to be an issue, but looking at that, a snapshot, but the way he was moving suggested it, it's not that bad. And so I'm, I'm kind of assuming he's, he's 95 to 100%. But has anybody on this podcast had turf toe before? I have, I, I have not. I have not. I have haven't either. I haven't. No. So it's, it's hard for me to like, I, I don't know what, what this does to him. I, I have no idea. I, I hear mean, we've seen guys miss multiple, we've seen guys miss multiple games with turf yeah. toe before, yeah. you know? And he was limping yeah. around. He mm-hmm. looked, you know, he was hobbling around like he lost his walking yeah. stick on Sunday. But I, I do wonder if he's kind of one weird hit away from being kind of that hobbling guy again, you know. And so, so yeah. something to to consider with that um, as well. All right, Brett, let's. Uh, oh, what's that, Brad? So I was going to say that's what happened last year when he dislocated his kneecap because he was already banged up. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he he had some sort of lower body injury, and then it then he I think he went for another sneak or something, and that's when the kneecap went. So and that's kind of what we saw on on Sunday again, where you had one injury and it, you know, the way you move or you you know it just, it just one seems yeah. to lead to the other. So it's it's definitely a non-zero chance he he gets banged up further. All right, Brett, let's uh, let's get your kind of breakdown of the game here. How do you see this game, you know, flowing? How do you see the the strategy from both sides? And do you have any bets? Are you leaning anyways? And and what's going on with your account? It's it's just it's an incredibly difficult cap here on Friday morning. Uh, You know, we're we're assuming that Patrick Mahomes plays, and that's certainly baked into the market right now. It's at three, three and a half. And if you know, if we do know that Mahomes is in. It'll probably move to four, four and a half. And if he's out, like you said, it's going to be well north of three in favor of Buffalo. So that's a huge discrepancy based on one player who just happens to be the most important player in the league. I I have to lean KC here. I think I just think they're being undervalued. Shocker. I know. You've, I only, gone, you've only gone against your team every single week for the last. Yeah, I know. It's shocking. Yeah, it's, it's gone really well. It's an emotional hedge. It's, it's gone an emotional really well hedge. I think they've covered in nine of the last ten, <laughs> and I've been against them every single week. But it's some of that just might be because I'm so close to it. Like yeah. it, all season, I'm just you know I'm I'm consuming news and content around this team, and it's just overload, and it it sends my head in a thousand different directions throughout the year, and I try to filter out all of it. Uh, but that's gotten me into trouble as evidenced by the number of times that I've, I've bet against them and they've been the, the best team against the spread all season long. But yeah, I do think, I do think because Casey is underperformed against the market this year, that there is value on this team. I can't even remember the last time Casey covered a spread. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have not covered huge numbers this year. Mm-hmm. Even last week in a playoff game, they, they mostly dominated that game against Cleveland. They got sleepy in the red zone. Uh, They missed several opportunities there. Won the game, but again, failed to cover the spread. That's happened so many times this year. And we talk talk all year about teams that run above expectation and win games they don't deserve to win, which results in a really good ATS record. I don't know what to make of KC when it comes to that. Like, they're, they're excellent in these high leverage situations, which I talked about last week. And a lot of that has to do with coaching. Uh, even more of it has to do with the greatness of Mahomes. And now we're finally looking at a short spread here, right on the key number. 
And it is extremely enticing to get KC at this price because I just, within the market, I see this as an opportunity to, to buy low on KC and sell high on Buffalo, sell high in Buffalo again. I mean, maybe, maybe they're still being priced appropriately. I don't know. But I mean, they, you know, I just, I see this as a good buy low spot on Mahomes, assuming he is good to go. But it's, it's really tough because we don't, we don't know. And like, I'm with, I'm with you guys. I'm worried about the turf toe just as much as, as the concussion. So it's, this is a really tough cap. Uh, Brad, I will, you know, to pull back the curtain here, this thing, when it started running here in, here in Vegas, one of the shops, it ran all the way to three and a half. When it got to three and a half, that was just too much for me. I took a lot. I took a big piece of the bills at three and a half. Uh, because again, the, the, the status of Mahomes to me, I know no matter what, he's not going to be a hundred percent, hundred percent. So if you're going to give me three and a half, on the bills with a guy that I know, at least no matter what, even if he plays, I mean, there was still, you know, there's still the outside chance he doesn't play. And I know at least for sure, there's going to be a foot injury involved here. I'm getting a less than hundred percent guy uh, in this game that I expect to be pretty tightly contested actually. And so um, I took the three and a half. I feel fine taking the three and a half. You and I, Brett can't do it because haha, no mobile over there. But uh, you and I can, we can watch a couple of drives, right? And we can figure out if this foot thing looks worse uh, on Patrick Mahomes than, than we even consider, right? Like, I think this is an awesome in-game betting game as well because mm-hmm. you can, we'll be able to see with our eyes real quick because trust me, they'll point it out. If he's hobbling around out there, if he's limping around, like they are going to let us know. And that I think presents an in-game opportunity for, for us as you know, if you have in-game betting in your jurisdiction. Yep. Yep. You'll have to be quick. Yeah. Um, Cause if, if the broadcasters are pointing out, then uh, you better get on your phone quick. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've not bet the game yet. Um, partially because of that uncertainty. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I do think a fully healthy Mahomes, I think the line is probably three and a half would be fair um, because they, they do have the extra rest. Um, obviously, you know, they had they had week 17 off, they had the bye, they played one game in the last month really, whereas the Bills have, have been, you know, they've been going for a while now. Um, they do have the home field fans, so I think you probably give them two for home field. So, you know, you add it all together. You're, you're, this line is only saying the Chiefs are a point better than the Bills. Um, and... Yeah, it's tough to say with a with a perfectly healthy Mahomes. That's true, because we know just how high the upside is. Um, so I think my favourite angle here is is probably the Bills to score points. I'm looking at a team total around 24 and a half, 25 and a half, and I like them to go over mm-hmm. that. So the reasons why, one, basically I would say, you know, this is a, a top three offence by passing DVOA, top five by total DVOA. So I guess, you know, is there any reason I, I don't want to bet them to go over a low team total? Um, and, you know, the first matchup, they, you know, the Chiefs did get the blitzes away. They pressured Allen on, on half of the snaps he faced there. So they, they really messed them up with blitzes. Um, but John Feliciano, the right guard, was missing there. Um, and he his role is kind of like the center in this offense. He, you know, he, he works out a lot of the protections, you know, which way to slide the the line to pick up the blitz. So otherwise this, this line is second in, in pass block win rate this year. And while the chiefs are 18th in pass rush win rate. So I can see them keeping Allen pretty clean here. Um, now the chiefs, they've got two corners on the injury report, um, Sneed and Breland, Breland with a concussion. So he, he might well miss. Um, and against the team that can go like five deep on the outside, 
Um, I, I think that's that's a, a bit of a mismatch as well. And then the Chiefs also, they run a lot of man. Uh, and Allen has absolutely smashed man this year, partially because he's got all those receivers and partially he, he can pull it down and run. So put it all together, I think just get rid of the uncertainty about Mahomes and his toe uh, and just back the Bills to do what they've done literally all season long and, and just score points against the defense, which is like it's down to 28th in defensive DVOA in the second half of the year. So it's not playing that well. It's not. It's got banged up corners. The pass rush is going up against an elite offensive line. So yeah, I, I really don't see why the Bills shouldn't get to twenty eight plus here. Yeah. So I'm. Uh. You know. Look. I, I'm. Like I said. I'm on the Bills. I like them a lot here at three and a half, which I was able to get. Um. If it gets back to three and a half, I might add on more. Uh. It's just a. It's a it's a spot here. I like this offense to score points against this against this Chiefs defense. And and here's the other thing for me is, you know, if there is even even a chance that Mahomes is is you know not what he typically is. Say you get one extra drive that they don't score. Say you get you know one extra drive that, that Mahomes isn't able to make that play or make that pass. I expect this Bills team to go to move the ball and go up and down the field. And I expect them to score. And it might be just enough for this to be tipping in the Bills Bills favor because that one extra possession could mean everything to me. I'm going to have a sprinkle on the Bills money line on this game as well. Um, from a prop standpoint, the books have gotten just absolutely absurd on Travis Kelsey. At FanDuel, you can his receiving prop is 96 and a half. And look, I understand that the guy is like very, very good and one of the best that at best at it, but like, you know, a hundred yard receiving prop, you just all you just auto take the under. It's just an auto fade. So um, you know, don't follow me on that one. I'm just I I'm standing for my principles here. If you're gonna put a hundred yard receiving prop on a tight end, I'm betting the under on that every single time. Um, any thoughts real quick, guys, on the total in this one? I don't think we do because of the uncertainty, right? I mean, it's just like, uh, Brad, I know you said that it, you don't you don't want to play the full total. You'd rather just t- play the Bills because, I mean, it, we don't really know what we're getting from the Chiefs, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think both teams are going to sit in this cover two shell. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, we could just get a lot of 12 play scoring drives. And, you know, if, yeah. if two of them go for a field goal, um, instead of a touchdown, then you're you're up against it. So uh, no play on the, on the full game total for me, Brett. We're with you, man. I'm gonna be listen. I'm gonna be financially invested with you, and then I will also be uh, emotionally invested with you. Uh, hope your team gets there, my friend. Uh, guys, we have the full written breakdowns over at the lines, over at the play picks as well. If you're listening to this on audio, head over to the YouTube page. That is YouTube.com/slash Play Picks. You can watch the videos of everything that we've done, um, and we'll continue to do throughout the course of the Super Bowl and the NBA season as well. For Brett, for Brad, I'm Matt. See you guys next week.